Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our worship this morning as we focus on continuing our series in the Lord's Prayer. It's good to have you with us. And uh, as you're watching, please let us know where you're watching from. Drop us a comment. Uh, engage with us. Interact with us. Hit the different reaction buttons. If there's something in the sermon that you agree with or that means something to you, make a comment about that and, and pop that in there. We'll get to each of the comments and, uh, and acknowledge them. And, um, and for, if, we, if there's a question or something to engage with, we'll write back to that as well. Just a, a quick couple of notices to say that this Facebook uh, live feed will only be up on our YouTube tomorrow. So unlike at the uh, past weeks where we've been able to get it up on the Sunday, this is only going to happen tomorrow. And uh, you'll still be able to access it on Facebook uh, throughout the course of the day as well. Special word of welcome if you are watching this live feed for the first time. If you're joining us for the first time, it's good to have you with us. And I pray that you will know the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit that binds us together, even though we are watching in different places from right here in Bundaberg, right all over the world. Whether you're watching now, whether you're watching uh, later on, uh, whether you are listening to the podcast, know that you are part of the service as God joins us together. And so I say to you this morning, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. If you are with somebody this morning, take a moment to greet them and pass God's peace onto them as well. If you are, are watching alone, why not find out if there is somebody who you know that you could invite around to watch the live services with for next week Sunday. Let us open in prayer. Almighty God, on what is a beautiful day here in Bundaberg, we greet you with hearts that are full of love and appreciation and warmth and worship. Hearts that desire to honor you, with lives that seek to build your kingdom, with souls that rejoice at being able to call you Father with this intimate relationship that we enjoy, that you invite us to, to pray the, the words of the Lord's Prayer. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in making this possible. That we don't need to engage with you, God, through mediators or priests or whoever else, but we can come directly to you. That you know us each by name. You know the things that we face and the difficulties that we go through the joys that we've had, the sorrows that we've shared. You've known, Lord God, the trials that are awaiting us and the things that are stressing us. You are in all and through all and above all. And in all of these things, Lord God, you call out to us and say, My dear child, come to me. Call me Father. Share your life with me. Journey with me. And so, Lord God, as we hear that, that call to us today, we come with hearts that are expectant, with lives that desire to please you, to worship you for all that you mean to us, for the love that you've shown to us, for the gift that you are to us and the blessings we receive from you. 
for the joy of forgiveness and sins that are forgotten and buried. Lord God, there are no words that could express the, the wonder of the freedom that we feel, knowing that you love us that much to take away the sins of the world. And so we pray that in this service of worship, you may be glorified in the moments that we share and spend listening to your uh, Holy Spirit speaking to us. May your voice be clear. May we know that you are speaking and may we feel drawn closer and closer to you as we desire to connect with you, to learn more of forgiveness, to care for our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Friends, also just a reminder um, about the fact that there is no connecting conversations on Tuesday night. This Tuesday night, there will be no uh, connecting conversations. We will put a reminder on Facebook on the day as well, but we're taking a break from connecting conversations um, this week. Our sermon series, as I mentioned, is looking at the Lord's Prayer as we discover what God means in each of the different lines, what, what the significance is as He teaches us, as Jesus teaches us how to pray. And today we are looking at the line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Certainly one of the most challenging things that we ever pray and something which we sometimes pray um, without truly thinking of the implications of what it means. Our lessons this morning come firstly from Psalm 103 and then from Matthew 18, chapter 21 to 35, and then a short portion from Matthew 6, verses 9 to 15. Psalm 103 is a psalm of praise that David writes. Listen to what he says. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever, as he does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who love him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, 
and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, who remember and obey his laws. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Then Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since the man was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And then I want to touch shortly on uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. We've read this passage of Scripture several times in the series because it's the, the part of Scripture where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But the part that I want to touch on is, uh, is this interesting bit in verse 14 towards the end. Jesus, uh, they ask him to teach him how to pray, and then Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the next verse says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear your word to us, we give you thanks for the teachings that it brings. And we pray, Lord God, that it may enrich us and grow us in our faithfulness as we listen to you. Lord, we desire nothing more than to be faithful to you. And as we come this morning, part of our worship is to, is to lift others before you who are in need of prayers. Others, Lord God, who we know are struggling through difficult times and difficult moments. People who are struggling with health during this time of the pandemic. People, Lord, who are in lockdown and, and battling with all of the pressures that that brings. People who are scared and worried. People who are struggling financially through this crisis. People who have lost jobs people who are losing hope. We pray, Lord, for all of those and so many more needs that we don't know. We pray, Lord God, for those who grieve. We pray, Lord God, for those who are lonely. We pray, Lord God, for ourselves. We bring before you those things which concern us and worry us, whether they be other people on our minds or specific situations. All of these are lifted to you. Thanking you that you're a God who invites us to bring these requests because you care and you love. And Lord, as we worship this morning, we also bring to you our gifts and our offerings. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to bless you in this way. And we pray that you would take the gifts that we bring and use them to build your kingdom, to continue the work of this church and this community, bringing hope and life into lives that truly need it, especially at this time. May the gifts that we bring, Lord, be seen not only as a, as a token of our love, but as part of the greater gift of ourselves. An acknowledgement, Lord, that it is all of us, every part, that desires to serve you faithfully. And now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you may speak to us through your word. Challenge us in what you want to say to us. Make our spirits receptive to hear from you. That you may be glorified not only in this message, but in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Friends, if you would like to contribute uh, to worship God in terms of your giving to contribute financially to the work of the church, our bank details are on our Facebook page and on our website. You can give electronically um, or you're able to simply drop in your offering in the office and uh, we sincerely thank each of you for your faithfulness in giving to God's work.
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's a story about a minister, and I will start the story off by saying, it was not me. A story of a minister who parked his car in a no-parking zone in a large city because he was short of time and he couldn't find a space in the specific metered area. So he put a note under his windscreen wiper that said, I have circled the block 10 times. If I don't park here, I'm going to miss my appointment. Forgive us our trespasses. When he returned, he found a ticket from a police officer along with another note that said, I've circled this block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I will lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer is one of the most important passages of Scripture because it teaches us so much of how God wants to relate to us, of how God interacts with us, of how we can relate to God and of, of what God would like us to do in this world. Of course, it teaches us about the intimacy that there can exist between God and ourselves, the kind of relationship that God desires. Last week, we looked in detail at the request that we make to God, give us this day our daily bread. Something which quite literally means, give us the things that we need to survive this day. Give us the basic elements of, of what our bodies and what, what we need to get through this day. But as we discovered last week, there's more to be learned from that simple statement than just a meeting of the daily needs. Phil Smith and I had, some, uh, had a great chat. Phil had some wonderful insights uh, as we chatted on Connecting Conversations last week. If you missed it, go back onto our Facebook page or YouTube channel and check it out. Importantly, the aspect of the daily bread, this very physical need that we have, shows that God cares about all of our needs and that God sees all of our life together. From this gloriously spiritual concept of, of ushering in the kingdom of God right down to the most basic of our human needs for food, all of life is seen together by God. All of life is bound together in God. There is no separation for God between the physical and the spiritual, the way we live in, in the world and how we act in, in church. We don't go to church where we suddenly kick it into a spiritual gear and then come out and say, whew, well, that's all the spiritual stuff done for this week. Let's go. We are spiritual beings. All of our life is connected, and God sees our lives as a whole, not as a series of compartments that we can just categorize things in. This part has my spirituality. This part I can live how I want. All of life is bound together. Which brings us to this next very important line of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And immediately we can see that if it follows the same line of thought as the previous one, the par parallelism that we've spoken about a few times, we again see just how important it is that all of life is connected. We cannot come to this spiritual, this great spiritual moment, this significant spiritual moment, and receive the, the beauty of God's forgiveness for ourselves 
but then head out into the world and say, well, that's the spiritual section done. I've got my forgiveness. I'm all good. It doesn't matter what I do about anybody else. That's not how God works. All of life is seen together. I read a quote by someone who said, for weeks I prayed every night that God would give me a bicycle. Then I realized that God doesn't work that way. So I stole a bicycle and asked for forgiveness instead. Everything is connected. God doesn't separate our prayers and requests and spiritual moments from our everyday life. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. <clears throat> the forgiveness received here, the, the spiritual blessing, the freedom and the joy is meant to be part of who we are. It's meant to impact every sphere of our lives and particularly it's meant to impact the lives of those who we need to forgive. Like we have seen throughout the Lord's Prayer, every line, whether it was the kingdom of God coming on earth, the, the loving and the serving of others, the, the wonder of calling God Father, the beauty of God caring for our needs and the needs of others, every part of this prayer impacts us and has an impact on the world as we live it out. This is most evident as we ask for forgiveness and ask God's help to please help us forgive others. <clears throat> I read a really clever quote that said, forgive others as quickly as you expect God to forgive you. Forgive others as quickly as you expect God to forgive you. This is probably, probably one of the most frightening lines of the Lord's Prayer. Because in its most accurate translations, we are asking God to forgive us in the same proportion as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That parable of the unmerciful servant that, that Jesus speaks about, going back and teaching the disciples about the Lord's Prayer, God, forgive me to the same extent that I am willing to offer forgiveness to others. In the story of the unmerciful servant, he's forgiven much. But the king is furious when that same forgiveness is not extended in equal measure by the servant to the person who needs forgiveness. As I mentioned in, in verse 14 and 15 of Matthew, where, uh, where Jesus is teaching the disciples on the Lord's Prayer, do you notice he actually stops teaching on prayer for a second and goes back to highlight just this one part of the prayer? doesn't highlight anything else, but he highlights this part. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Wow. That is intense. That is serious. But if we see the story of the unmerciful servant, you can begin to realize just what forgiveness has cost God. And we can understand the need to be forgiven. Because we had no leg to stand on. No reason to ask or to expect. No reason to even hope for forgiveness. But in those helpless states, God makes a way for forgiveness 
to happen. A costly way. A way that caused unbelievable grief and pain. When he talks about the servant owing 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 bags of gold, can you imagine that? Nobody in today's terms has 10,000 bags of gold. Can you imagine in the times of Jesus? But he says, if I have forgiven you so much and so often with so little reason, then you need to forgive others the wrongs that you have suffered. Forgive others as quickly as you expect God to forgive you. But this is one of the things which is actually quite easy to say. The, the theory sounds fantastic. It sounds right. It sounds good. But it can be very difficult to do. So maybe it helps us to see just why forgiveness is so important. For two reasons. Firstly, Forgiveness transforms the forgiven. Forgiveness transforms the one who is forgiven. I love this joke about a young Christian man who brought a parrot. It was a second-hand parrot. Oh, by that I mean it, he wasn't the first owner. It was a, call it a rescue parrot if you want. Unfortunately, the parrot had a bad attitude a horrible demeanor, and an even worse vocabulary. Every word that came out of this bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. And the man tried everything to change the bird's attitude by consistently talking to it with soft and kind and polite words. He would sit and read the Bible to it at night. He played soft worship music and hymns while the parrot went to sleep anything else he could think of to try and clean up the bird's vocabulary and demeanor and attitude and swearing. Finally, one day after the bird had sworn at the young man's mother and she had stormed out in a huff, well, this young guy, he just lost it. He, he, he snapped. And he yelled and he screamed at the parrot. And the parrot yelled and screamed back at him. And the young man shouted some more and waved his finger at the parrot. And the parrot got even angrier and shouted back and actually bit his finger as he was waving it. Well, in that moment, this red rage of insanity just kind of took over from the man. And in an, in an act of desperation, he grabbed the parrot, he opened the freezer, and he shoved it in the freezer, and he closed the door. For a few moments, the parrot continued to shout and squawk its obscenities as it swore from inside the freezer. And then suddenly, there was just total quiet. Not a sound. Fearing that he had hurt the parrot, the young man waited a second or two more, listened, still no noise, and then quickly opened the door of the freezer. And as he opened the door of the freezer, the parrot quietly and calmly stepped out onto the man's outstretched arm and said, I believe, kind sir, that I might have offended you with my rude language and actions. I am sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I humbly request with broken and contrite heart forgiveness from your merciful soul. I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and most regrettable behavior. Well, the young man was, was stunned at the sudden amazing change in the bird's attitude, and he was just about to speak and offer forgiveness when the bird spoke up again and very, very softly said, If I may, sir, 
ask you just one question. That chicken in there, what did he do? <laughs> Forgiveness transforms the forgiven. In Scripture, the words that are used for forgiveness have two meanings. The first is to send or to throw away. To send or to throw away. The image here is the one that we read about in that beautiful psalm from David of Christ hurling our sins into non-existence. As far as the east is from the west, says the psalmist, God casts our sins away. The second meaning is a judicial meaning, a legal meaning, to, to pardon, to know that somebody is guilty of a crime, but to allow it to go unpunished. Dallas Willard uh, uses the word pity. He says this, this idea of forgiveness is to take pity on someone, to realize their sense of hopelessness, the, the sense to which they, they are completely lost in this transgression and to take pity on them. When you put those two understandings together, we can see that when we ask God to forgive us, He performs a kind of a miracle of, of throwing our sins like a cosmic baseball so far away that they cease to exist, and we are absolved of the punishment. Not necessarily the consequences, but the punishment. And forgiveness transforms the forgiven. In the story of John Newton, here the famous uh, slave trader, he talks of how his experience of God's forgiveness for his most heinous act of, of cruelty caused him to completely reform, to be transformed, and to become one of the people who went from being this, this kingpin and this, this, this major player in the slave trade to one who helped to abolish it. John Newton is the author of what is arguably one of the most well-loved and well-known hymns in the world today, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. In the version Chris Tomlin uh, sings, he says, my chains are gone I've been set free. Forgiveness transforms the forgiven. Amazing grace. That's how John Newton described it in his life. And this is something that each of us can know firsthand. That each person who calls God their Lord and Savior, each person who prays the Lord's Prayer with, with, with sincerity and with the, with the deepest desire to be forgiven, you're able to, test to that, attest to that power of forgiveness, that transforming power, the sense of, of peace and freedom from sin, the joy of being released from that which holds our spirits captive and hostage. I read a story of a young nun who had claimed to have a vision of Jesus, that Jesus had come to visit her. Her bishop decided that he would test her truthfulness and told her that the next time she had this vision, she should ask Jesus what the bishop's primary sin had been before he became a bishop. Some months later, the nun returned, having had another vision of Jesus. 
And the bishop, now a little bit more nervously, inquired if she had asked Jesus the question, to which the nun affirmed that she had. And what did he say? The bishop asked apprehensively. Jesus said, and the nun paused for a moment, he said, I don't remember. I don't remember. That's the beauty of the joy and the forgiveness that transforms the forgiven. But secondly, forgiveness also transforms the forgiver. It transforms the forgiver. There's a joke about a woman who was bitten by a rabid dog, and uh, it looked like she was going to die from rabies, and the doctor said to her, look, you need to put your final affairs in order. So she grabbed a pen and paper from the doctor's desk and started hurriedly writing down a whole lot of things on this piece of paper. And she wrote, and she wrote, and she wrote. And the doctor said to her, wow, this is a long will and testament that you're busy making. And she said, will and testament? I'm not making a will and testament. I'm making a list of all the people I've got to run out and go and bite. <laughs> Forgiveness does something powerful to the person who does the forgiving. Lewis Smead says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to discover that that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to then discover that that prisoner was you. There's a lovely quote from Nelson Mandela in his book, Long Walk to Freedom. And he's talking about the moment he was released from prison after spending 27 years locked up. 27 years uh, locked up in the prison, wasn't even able to attend the funeral of his son. And he's about to walk out of the gates uh, that had held him there for so long. And he writes, As I walked out of the door to the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. If I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. The reason why Jesus speaks about the fact that our forgiveness is linked to our ability to forgive it changes, it changes forgiveness from, from something that's quite nice to do, some sort of a magnanimous act on our behalf, into something that is absolutely essential for us to do. We have to do this. Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar, puts the whole aspect of how God's forgiveness and our forgiveness works in, into, into a beautiful perspective. He draws a very helpful illustration of what forgiveness is really like. And he speaks of the fact that we need to understand forgiveness from God as something a little bit different to what it has come to mean in the world today. We've come to think of forgiveness as a kind of a, a Christmas present that a, a kind old grandfather gives to a sulky grandchild, even though the grandchild makes no effort to give or, or make a gift for anyone else. Dallas Willard calls it, uh, sometimes he says, in this world there is a, a by Christians, a, a kind of a give me a break attitude for forgiveness. That forgiveness is almost, give me a break, God. The world sees forgiveness as just um, 
getting over a few wrong things that we might have done. I'm not that bad. I just, I just, need, uh, I just need God to give me a break. I'm not really a, a, one of the real bad sinners. I've, I've just done a few things where I've stepped a little bit out of line. So come on, God, give me a break. Forgive me my sins. But Tom says that from what Jesus is saying, forgiveness isn't like that at all. It's much more like the air that we take into our lungs. And there's only room for you to inhale the next lungful of air once you've breathed out the previous one. If we insist on holding that air in, if we insist on refusing to, to breathe it out and give someone else the, the air they so desperately need, if we hold on to that sense of unforgiveness, if it fills our lungs like that, we won't be able to take in the breath from God. We won't be able to take any more air in ourselves, and soon we will suffocate. In other words, if our spiritual lungs are open and willing to try and forgive others, then they'll be open to receive God's love and forgiveness the breath that He gives to us. But if we are locked up to one, we become locked up to other. In essence, and this is quite important, in essence, Jesus isn't saying that God can't forgive us or that God won't forgive us, but rather that there is an incompatibility within ourselves to receive forgiveness while we still stubbornly hold on to our own unforgiveness of others. There is an incompatibility within ourselves, to receive forgiveness while we still stubbornly hold on to our own unforgiveness. The real joy and blessing of forgiveness is something that we cannot know and we cannot know while we still refuse to forgive others. Think of the unmerciful servant and his reaction of, of choking the man who owed him just a few coins. We cannot know the blessing of forgiveness. We cannot know the joy of forgiveness. While we hold on to that breath of air, we cannot breathe in this fresh, freshness of new life from God while we hold on to that, that air within ourselves. It's for this reason that we discover that the prisoner who is set free in forgiveness is not just the other person, but it is us. It is in forgiving that we discover the gift to ourselves, a freedom gained, and a release from the bindings that hold. When Phil and I were talking in Connecting Conversations, he mentioned that it's interesting that Jesus puts forgiveness right alongside this basic need to survive. Something as, as basic and essential to our survival as food, Jesus puts right next to that the need to forgive. Give me food to live, we pray, and then something that's equally important to live, let me give forgiveness. Give me forgiveness and let me give that. Help me to give that to others. Help me to be forgiven. As essential as food is for the body, so forgiveness is for the soul. That is what we're really saying to God. God, I cannot do this without you. I need your forgiveness and in order to take that life-giving breath in, help me to breathe out forgiveness to those I need to forgive. David writes in the psalm, Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Forgiveness transforms the forgiven, and it transforms the forgiver. Today and every day as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to enable us to experience his transforming power that comes from being forgiven and to help us by his Spirit to give that same life-giving, transforming experience to others as we forgive them. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, this morning we give you thanks for the forgiveness that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord God, that like in the parable of the unmerciful servant, we come to you with, with no way to pay back. In a sense, Lord, with, with nothing to offer. And you look upon us and take pity on us. You love us and you forgive us. We thank you for that forgiveness, for the beauty of it and, and for the freedom that it brings to us. We thank you, Lord, for the call upon us to be forgiving. We know, Lord God, that we are most like you when we forgive. We thank you that that forgiveness that transforms us has the power to transform others. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that as we pray those words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That you would help us to see both of those transformations. That the importance of what we do, the essentialness of of forgiveness to, to the health and well-being of our whole lives will be made known in a, in a very real and, and true way for us. We confess to you, Lord, our slowness to forgive. We confess to you, Lord, that we can so easily see ourselves in that parable. And without even thinking too hard, Lord God, you know within each of our minds what those uh, or who those people are or what the things we need to forgive are. Help us to breathe out forgiveness that we might receive the life-giving air of your forgiveness and find that our spiritual lungs are refreshed and filled with the beauty of what you offer and with the beauty of the forgiveness we can give. And so, Lord God, we commit this to you and pray that you may continually work within, the, work within our lives, that your spirit may strengthen us as we seek to be forgiven. As together, Lord, we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, I hope that you have a blessed day further, that you know the power of the, the transforming power of God's forgiveness in your life this day and in the lives of others as you seek to forgive them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.